I love hearing people talk about how God's at work in their lives. That's why we do that. And it's homecoming today. Our church was started in 1916, 1916, which means next year will be 100 years, the centennial. This year, 2015, is 99 years. When you think about what has happened in Fairdale in 99 years, there's a lot. In the back of your bulletin today, we have a little brief history that you can read. You don't need to read it right now, uh, but you can read it and check out what's happening uh, now and, and looking back over 99 years to see where our church has come from. There's been a lot that's happened in 99 years, and we thank God for that, and we pray that there would be another 99 years if Jesus does not come back. And we also pray that God would uh, continue to use this church for his glory and that many, many more people would, would come to know him. One of the faithful pastors that was here in the past is Dr. John Mark Toby. John, Dr. John Mark Toby was the pastor here from 1993 to 1999. I arrived here in 2003. There was about a four-year window uh, from when he, after he was here to when I got here. Uh, but he was here for six years, from 1993 to 1999. Dr. John Mark Toby has been in the ministry for a long time. He was a pastor for 27 years. He has been serving as a chaplain colonel in the Army National Guard for the past 33 years. He currently serves as the director of missions in Bowling Green, in which he is the, direct, the director over 60 different local churches. He's been faithful in the ministry for a long time, and we praise God for that. We're excited to have you back. He's here today with his wife, Kathy, and their son, uh, Daniel. We're glad to have you all here. Church, would you please uh, welcome Dr. John Mark Toby. Thank you, Pastor Josh, for the invitation to be here today. It's great to, great to be in God's house today. Good to be here. Y'all invited me back 10 years ago. A little thing called Hurricane Katrina happened, and I got deployed to be the, the command chaplain for relief and recovery operations, and I had to cancel. So it's taken you 10 years to ask me back. So thank you for finally forgiving me and asking me to come back again. But uh, good to be in God's house. It's great to, to see First Baptist Fairdale, not where it has been in the past, but where it is in the present and what God is going to do with it in the future. Churches are living, vibrant organizations that are the bride of Christ. And, and it's good to see that as this church moves forward by faith in the future, that will continue to be ministering effectively in this community until Christ comes for His church. And so, you know, we've seen many people through the years come and go who've invested in this church, worked hard, blood, sweat, and tears through the years. And, you know, you're building on that foundation as you move forward. As, as, as new people come to faith in Christ, as believers develop and grow, it's exciting. Some of the most effective, fruitful, and fulfilling years of my ministry have been right here at First Baptist Church, Fairdale. Josh, I remember the first thing I did when I came in the morning, I would come and I'd unlock the door, and I would drop kick the air conditioner to get the contacts to connect so we could have air conditioning during six or seven months out of the year. One of my greatest ministry accomplishments was pouring a cement pad and moving the air conditioner from the front door that you had to walk around to get in to moving it over here to the side. I consider that one of my most successful things in ministry. And so many years later, I'm glad we were able to accomplish that at First Baptist Fairdale. It's been a, a great time. So many people uh, that I love so dearly that I think so much of throughout the years that have taught me great lessons about life. And it's just good to be back with you today. But I want to share with you this morning a word from God's Word. Look at Luke 19. Luke 19. I want to look at a familiar story, but also look at it today to see how much you matter to God because you matter so much to God. 
And I want you to know how much God loves you and, and how much this church matters to God. Let's look at Luke 19, starting in verse 1, and we'll go through verse 11. And the Word of God reads, He entered Jericho and was passing through. There was a man named Zacchaeus who was a chief tax collector, and he was rich. He was also trying to see who Jesus was, but he was not able because of the crowd, since he was a short man. So running ahead, he climbed up a sycamore tree to see Jesus, since he was about to pass that way. When Jesus came to the place, he looked up and said to him, Zacchaeus, hurry and come down, because today I must stay at your house. So he quickly came down and welcomed him joyfully. All who saw it began to complain. He's gone to lodge with a sinful man. But Zacchaeus stood there and said to the Lord, Look, I'll give half my possessions to the poor Lord, and if I've extorted anything from anyone, I'll pay him back four times as much. Today, salvation has come to this house, Jesus told him, because he too is the son of Abraham. For the Son of Man has come to seek and to save that which was lost. As they were listening to this, he went on to tell a parable because he was near Jerusalem. And they thought that the kingdom of God was going to appear right away. Wow, what a powerful passage of Scripture. You know, when we look at this passage of Scripture, we look at the, the, this passage through the, the eyes of Zacchaeus and the experience that, that Zacchaeus had with Christ. Now, Christ's life intersected Zacchaeus' life on that day and what difference it made in his life. What change transpired and took place. And what difference does it make for you and me today as we read the story of Zacchaeus from God's Word? One of the most important things for us in our life is to feel like we matter, like we count, like we have value, like we have purpose, like we have meaning. And one of the ways uh, that, that we do that is, is that we, we evaluate what's going on in the world around us and ourselves in relation to other people. There's the world's way that we evaluate ourselves, and then there's the Word's way that we evaluate ourselves. Let's take just a few moments this morning and look at the way the world says that we as individuals are to evaluate ourselves on, on how, what our worth is, how much we matter, what kind of value that we have. Let's just look at four things this morning, and then I want to take it from there and look at what the Word has to say about how much we matter to God. One of the first ways that we in our culture and our society today tend to judge ourselves as we judge ourselves on our appearance. How do I look? You know, I, I kind of got concerned yesterday morning, or yesterday afternoon, I finally got to my mother-in-law's house and realized I'd left all my clothes that I was going to wear today in, in Scottsville. Uh, and so this is my father-in-law's jacket, my father-in-law's tie. And, you know, uh, how do I look? You know what I mean? For, for piecing uh, uh, an outfit together, as ladies would say, not bad, huh? I mean, you know, it, it's, it's, it's not what I plan to wear, but it's what I got on. But we judge ourselves on our appearance. How do I look? I got up this morning, I shampooed. And, and I took a shower and shaved and shined. And, and so I wanted to look good today. You know, have you ever noticed on a shampoo bottle, what's it say? It says, it says, it says lather, rinse. Then what's the third word? Repeat. Now, if you can't get your hair clean the first time, something wrong with you, okay? All the shampoo company is trying to do is to get you to buy twice as much shampoo in the period of a year. You need to take that money you spend on shampoo and you need to invest it back in missions. 
Now, I'm going to tell you, you know, we need to realize that God has a great plan for us. And, and our appearance, though, today is, is something that our culture says is, is so valuable. Look at print media. Look at the Internet. Look at, at whatever culture says today. It's about image. It's about how do we look. What's our appearance? Our appearance determines in world society about how much we matter, how much value we have. So we look around and we judge ourselves on our appearance. A second way the world tends to judge ourselves today is not only on our appearance, but also we judge our worth on our achievement. What have I accomplished? How successful have I been? What have I achieved in life? You know, how many degrees have I obtained? How many uh, important positions have I held? What kind of status do I have? We look at our, our achievement. There's a friend of mine that was a pastor that recently went to an estate auction. And uh, he, they were, the kids were selling everything that the parents had. They were selling the farm, they were selling the house, they were selling the contents of the house, they were selling it all. And you know, as they came to this one room, the auctioneer was kind of surprised, opened up the door and people went to the contents of this room. It was this man's trophy room. He had had large game that he had killed from all over the world. He had certificates that he had earned, he had ribbons and trophies and medals and diplomas and all the things that the world would say that you should achieve to be successful. But when the hammer fell on the contents of that room at the auction, the contents of that room sold for $2.67. Why did it sell for $2.67? Kids didn't want anything to do with it because the dad had neglected them throughout their entire life going after what the world had to say mattered instead of what the Word had to say mattered. People and the Word of God matter. People in the Word of God are what's going to go on into eternity. Those are the things that count in life as people in the Word of God. Don't let the value of your life be worth $2.67. Invest your life in people and invest it in the Word of God. So don't, let, don't fall prey to society and Satan and the shiny and the synthetic of what the world says has worth. It will only trip you up. That's what Satan wants to do to you. He comes to kill. He comes to steal. He comes to destroy. And that's what Satan wants to do to your life. So don't fall prey to what the world says achievement is all about. You need to base your worth on what the Word has to say about you. There's a third way that, that, that the culture and society and, and modern day would say that we need to value our worth on ourselves, And that is this, is that we tend to judge our worth on our approval. What's my approval rating? Any of you got Facebook accounts? You get these little things on there, thumbs up or, or thumbs down. How many likes do I have to a post? I don't even have a Facebook account, but some people are so, so caught up in social media that if they don't got more thumbs up and they got thumbs down, they're just all bummed out. They're all bent out of shape. They can't handle it. They can't take it. And let me tell you something, my friends. We got politicians that lead this way. They won't make a decision until they take a poll to see what their approval rating will be. I don't know about you, but I pray we have politicians in this nation that would lead by conviction instead of popularity polls. Amen? I mean, we need people that, that, that lead. It, it's unbelievable. You think your approval rating can't change? Let me tell you about a man named Jesus, the King of kings and the Lord of lords, a man who knew no sin, who was a savior of the world. He rode into Jerusalem on a donkey on, 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 think about it, on Palm Sunday, people were taking off their coats, cutting palm branches and putting down before him as he rode into town shouting, Hosanna, blessed is he 
who comes in the name of the Lord. Hosanna means we pray, Lord, to save. They were looking to Jesus to save them. They saw him as the Messiah, as the Savior, as the King, as the one sent from God on that day. That was Sunday by Friday. Five days later, some of those same people would shout, crucify him, crucify him. If you are who you say you are, then come down off that cross. Friends, if they'll turn on Jesus within a period of five days, they'll turn on you on a dime. Don't value your worth on what the world says your approval rating is. Value your worth on what the Word says your approval rating is. And you're approved by God. Why? Because God so loved the world that He gave His one and only begotten Son that whosoever should believe in Him should not perish but have everlasting life. You matter so much to God that He didn't send a Hallmark card. He sent His very best. His one and only begotten Son. Why did Jesus come to the world? The Bible says right here in this passage of Scripture, He came to seek and to save the lost. Did He not? That's why Jesus came. And that's what we need to be about. At First Baptist Church Fairdale, we need to stay on point. We need to stay on mission. We need to stay on task. We need to stay focused on Jesus. We need to keep our eyes fixed on the author and the perfecter of our faith. Friends, don't worry about the approval rating of what someone says. Worry about what God has to say about you. You're a sinner who's been saved by grace as you call on the name of the Lord and been saved. Friends, you were dying, doomed, destined, and damned for hell until Christ intersected your life, until He made a difference in your life. Remember what you are apart from Christ, as it tells us in the Gospel of John. Apart from Christ... You are nothing. Nothing. We get our complete fulfillment, our complete approval rating, our complete, uh, our complete everything in Christ and in Christ alone. And we never need to forget that. We always need to be reminded of that because we as God's people are forgetful people. It doesn't take us long to forget things. The Israelites, as they had been marched out of, uh, of Egypt after years upon slavery and bondage, and they took the spoils of Egypt with them when they were camped by the Red Sea. God parted the waters. They walked across on dry ground. The Egyptian army was defeated and destroyed that day. They traveled three days in the wilderness, and they began to complain to their leader, Moses, we've got nothing to drink. We're going to die. We'd been better off if we'd stayed back in Egypt. They forgot what God had done for them. Pharaoh had hardened his heart ten times. He finally let them go. They went. God led them there to Marah, a place of, of bitter water. When they got to where they wanted to get, they didn't want to get what they got. Sound true with a lot of people in our culture today? But there was a miracle that happened at Marah. Moses took a piece of wood and threw it into the water. A symbol of what would be the cross later to come. A prelude of coming attractions. And the water was made sweet. The Lord took them to Marah to test them. They failed the test. And guess what happened? He took them only a day's journey down the road to Elam where there were 12, 12 springs and 70 palm trees. A oasis. I mean, it was phenomenal. It was fantastic. This was a place of abundance and plenty. Do you think that God knew where Elam was on the map first before he led on Marah? He led them to a place of bitterness and distaste before he led them to a place of plenty. Friends, let me tell you something. Your sin will lead you 
to a place of bitterness and distaste. But God wants to lead you to a place of plenty in Christ through the cross and through the waters of baptism, through the symbolizing of washing your old sins away, through the death, the burial, and the resurrection of Christ and going and walking in a new way of life with Him. Friends, I want to tell you, we need to keep our eyes fixed on the author and perfecter of our salvation and not be forgetful people. God's seen you through a lot of things in the past. First Baptist Fairdale, has he not in 99 years? Some of you have been here a while. You've been through some pretty tough times, have you not, through the years? I'd say since 1916, one of the tough times was the Great Depression. This church survived it, moved through it. This church has been through World War II. This church has been through the War on Terror. This church has been through everything it can think has been through, and it's still standing strong 99 years later. Why? Because Jesus loves His church. He loves His church. You're the bride of Christ. And you need to be obedient and faithful, and you need not be forgetful of what God has done for you in the past, but be ever mindful of what God is going to do for you in in the future. He's seen you through a lot of tough times, has He not? He's seen you individually through tough times. Don't forget the benefits and blessings that God has bestowed upon you. Don't forget the many challenges and trials and troubles God's seen you through. He's not failed you in the past, and He'll never fail you in the future. Don't forget God, my friends. Don't forget Him. There's a fourth thing that the world says about uh, when we think about how much we matter uh, to, to, to them. It says that we tend to judge our worth on our affluence. How much do I have? What I own? How big is my bank account? How big is my house? What kind of car do I drive? We, we, we look at affluence, how much to own. When we look at this particular passage of a scripture today, we see that Zacchaeus struck out on three of these four measurements that the world would have to say he had going for him. The only thing he had going for him was his affluence. So what's the problem with these four standards that the world says that we need to measure ourselves on? The problem with these four standards, my friends, is this. None of these standards are stable. None of them are stable. Think about your appearance. I've not seen some of you in 16 years. You don't look like you did the last time I saw you, okay? I mean, you know, your appearance has changed. That's just real. I don't care how much cream you put on or age-defined moisturizer. Gravity will eventually win the war, okay? I mean, that's just, that's just reality, all right? So, you know, our appearance changes, our approval changes, our affluence changes. You know, all this stuff changes, my friends. They're not stable factors. So if this is the way that you're going to judge yourself, the question I got for you this morning is this. How are you going to feel about yourself when you're old, when you're ugly, and when you're broke? You're not going to feel very good about yourself if this is the way you base your self-worth. If this is the way that you say, that, hey, this is what my life is all about. Now, when we look at this passage of Scripture today, I want you to understand, if you came here today feeling a little low, feeling a little lonely, feeling a little isolated, maybe feeling out a little out of place, and I want you to know that you came to the right place today because First Baptist Church Fairdale is a place of help and a place of hope. Amen? It's a place of help and a place of hope. So God wants to provide help for you and He wants to give you hope for your life. He wants you to know how much you matter to God. I'll share just three things with you this morning about how much you matter to God from God's Word. The first thing is this. No matter how insignificant I feel, Jesus notices me. Think about that. 
Zacchaeus was a very wealthy man, but he was also a very lonely and isolated man because he took off the top from the people's taxes and he made himself rich. Now Zacchaeus did two things that no wealthy Middle Eastern man would do in his day. Let's think about the situation. Zacchaeus had, had heard about Jesus. Jesus was just passing through Jericho is what the Bible says. Now, if you know anything about Jericho, you just don't pass through. Kathy and Daniel and I were there a few years back. It's down on the Dead Sea. It's one of the lowest elevations on the planet. And, and, and you just don't get to Jericho by passing through. you got to be going there to get there. You know what I'm saying? It, it, it is an outpost. But Jesus was just passing through Jericho. Zacchaeus had heard about Jesus passing through Jericho. He'd heard, obviously, Jesus had been healing people, making the blind to see, making the lame to walk, making those who are deaf could hear again. You know, Jesus had been performing miracles of, of, of all types. And, and, and so the buzz was out on Jesus. And, and Zacchaeus knew that Jesus was making an impact on people's lives. He got there in Jericho, and he got there too late, and the crowd was so thick he couldn't see over the crowd because he was, he was short of stature, is what the Bible said. So he, being good with math, being a tax collector, he said, okay, Jesus is walking that way. And there's not a crowd up there, but I see a tree over there. Maybe if I run, I climb up that tree, I can get myself to a position and a place and to a vantage point where I can just get a glimpse of Jesus, where my life can intersect Christ's life. And so Zacchaeus made that algebraic equation in his mind, and he took off running toward the sycamore tree. Not only did Zacchaeus run to the sycamore tree, Zacchaeus did what? He climbed up the sycamore tree. Now, when's the last time you've seen a rich dude run or climb a tree to go hear a preacher, go see a preacher? You know, they get the box seats. They don't get, they don't get the, the seats, you know. They get the good seats. But Zacchaeus, rich man, that run and climb a tree to get a view of Jesus on that day that this passage of Scripture talks to us about. Now, what's going on here? Luke 19, 5. When Jesus got to the tree, he looked up. And this packed out crowd, Jesus did the very thing that none of you want to have happen to you when you come to church. What's the last thing you want to have happen to you when you come to church? Had the preacher call you out in the service. Amen? I mean, that just, that's the worst thing. That could, I mean, I see several of you I could do that to right now. You know, that's the absolute last thing you want to have happen to you when you go to church. Can you imagine Zacchaeus up the tree? And, 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 Zach, and Jesus calls him out. Sweat begins to come down his brow. His heart race begins to, to, to pump up. The vein on the side of his neck begins to stick out because all the blood is, is rushing to his head. He's being called out by Jesus. Jesus looks up at Zacchaeus here on this day there in Jericho. Now what was going on? Why would Jesus do such a thing like that? Why would Jesus look up at Zacchaeus? Because Jesus knew exactly where Zacchaeus was. And I want you to know, my friends, today, that Jesus knows exactly where you are. He knows what's going on in your life, what situations are going on, what circumstances are going on, what bills that need to be paid what family relationships are strained. Jesus knows exactly where you are and He's got His eye on you. And that's some news that you can use. Now exactly where was Zacchaeus? Well, the Bible tells us Zacchaeus was up a tree and out on a limb. 
Can any of you relate to that? You know, maybe you got too much, much month and you got money. Maybe you got a relationship that sometimes I feel like I'm Wiley Coyote. I'm on the one side of the branch sawing and I'm falling 2,000 feet to the canyon floor. You know what I mean? I mean, some of you don't even know who Bugs Bunny is. Oh, come on. I know you got a run crowd here, man, but they need to get back. It's called, it's called Boomerang, you know, on TV. The, the TV. Cartoons, back when cartoons were cartoons. Friends, I want to tell you, you may be up a tree and out on a limb, but Jesus notices you just like he noticed Zacchaeus. And that's some good news that, that we can use today. You know, we have a hard time realizing that and believing that and accepting that because, you know, we, we, we can't grasp that God really pays that much attention to us because we really just don't pay that much attention to God. Recent study showed that less than 11% of Southern Baptists read their Bible on a daily basis. Less than 11%. One of the most important things you can do is for you to get into God's Word and God's Word to get into you. You say, I don't have time. How many of you watch half-hour television today? You can raise your hand. It won't be a Pentecostal uh, equation. You can raise, watch half-hour television today. Three, four of you. The rest of you don't, man, you all live under a rock. What are you, Patrick? I mean, you know, all right, you watch a half-hour television today. So, so what's, what, in a half-hour television, there are 22 minutes of that television program. There are eight minutes of commercials. If you would take the eight minutes of commercials that you watch in a half-hour television day, you could read the entire Bible through in one year. It's not that you don't have time. You don't make time. And so, you know, back in the day, Baptists used to be called people of the book, Josh. You don't know this. But back in the day, they used to be called people of the book. Now, I think it's hard to say that Southern Baptist people book when 11% of Southern Baptists only read the book you know, on a daily basis. So one of the greatest challenges that the church has today is to not neglect the Word of God. And I'll tell you what, First Baptist Fairdale, the more you get into this Word, the more it gets into you, the better things go for your life and the life of this church. Amen? I mean, this Word is real. It's vibrant. It's alive. It, it, it's, it's, it's divinely inspired truth that's inerrant. It's, it's, it's life-giving. And so we've got to get into God's Word. You know, we need to see that, that God notices you, no matter where you're at. A second thing we see in this particular passage of Scripture is this. It's no, no, matter, no matter what other people say, Jesus affirms me. How many of you remember as a child, the, the little saying, sticks and stones will break my bones, but words will never hurt me. That's not true. Words hurt. They hurt. And sometimes people say hurtful words about us. Sometimes people in the church say hurtful words about one another. And that's not right. You know, we, if any place on this planet, the church ought to be a body that builds believers up, not tears them down. You know, we've got to build one another up. We get enough tearing down out in the world. We need to be built up. We're the body of Christ. We need to, to, to build one another up as brothers and, and sisters in Christ. Now, think about Zacchaeus. He'd been tore down his whole life, first by his appearance, and second by his actions, by what he did, taken off the top. But, but there's a word from God's word. It tells us in Ephesians chapter 2, verse 10. For we are God's masterpiece. He has created us anew in Christ Jesus so that we could do the things, the good things He planned for us to do from long ago. You know what God sees when He sees you? He sees a masterpiece. Something that, that's so valuable, no number could be put on it. 
He sees you as someone that he's created, as someone he has planned for long ago to do good things for you to do in your life, to advance the cause of Christ and to build this kingdom that he is, is coming to establish here on this planet. God has good things prepared for you. So you matter to God. You matter so much to God that you are his masterpiece. He sees you in such a way that you are of value and significance and great worth to him. Friends, don't worry about what other people say about you. Worry about what Jesus has to say about you. That's the thing we need to see as we move forward by faith into the future. There's a third thing in this passage I'll share with you this morning this. And that is no matter what I have done, Jesus wants me. Think about that for a minute. You know, Jesus told Zacchaeus to come down. He come down quickly. No matter what I've done, Jesus wants me. Friends, I don't care what you have done, who you have done it with, how many times you have done it, where you've done it at or what it is. Jesus still wants you. Isn't that some good news you can use? Jesus still affirms you and loves you and accepts you and he wants you. Has anybody in here got a $100 bill on them today? Anybody? I need to borrow it just for a second. I promise I'll give it back. If I don't, we'll give it to missions. Lottie Moon's coming up. I mean, I need to borrow a $100 bill. Just somebody lift one up. I'll borrow it for a minute and I'll give it back. If not, it'll go to the mission. Place. Somebody's got to, all right, thank you, thank you, thank you. I've never done, I've never ever asked where somebody didn't have a $100 bill on. Awesome, thank you. Benjamin Franklin, how many of you like to have this? I mean, come on. Uh, anybody interested in a $100 bill? I mean, why do you want a $100 bill? It has value, it has significance, it's worth it, it's spend up, buy things. <laughs> How many of you still want that $100 bill? Why? Why? Because it still has value, it still has worth, it'll still spend, right? $100 bill's kind of like some of you. Some of you got a little dirt on you. Some of you have been roughed up a little bit, spun around, crumpled up. But I want you to know, you still matter to God. You still have great worth. Some of you may have been on drugs. You may have been in a relationship you shouldn't have been in. Some of you have may have cheated somebody out of some money. Some of you may have wronged a brother or a sister. But I want to tell you what, you still matter to God. You have great significance and great value and great worth. And He has a great plan for you. You may want a rubber glove for that, but... Make it easy there. Friends, we have great value to God in God's eyes. He, he cares deeply about us. He loves us so, so much. Notice what happened to Zacchaeus in this story. Jesus invited himself over for dinner. And Zacchaeus didn't even tell his wife. Now that's a bad scenario right there, okay? Now, why is it that Jesus invited himself over for dinner... Because I don't feel that Zacchaeus felt worthy enough to have Christ in his home. There's a lot of people out there today that don't feel worthy enough because of what they've done to have Christ in their home. And they need to know that they're valued, that they're loved, they have significance, and they have worth. And they're counting on us, the people of God, to let them know how much God loves them and what God did for them. And notice what happened to Zacchaeus. He came down quickly, and the Bible says that he received Jesus with joy. 
There's joy on this journey with Jesus, my friends. If you want to have joy in life, you've got to journey with Jesus in your life. That's the only way you're going to have joy. Zacchaeus turned his life around. He said, if I wronged anybody, I'll make it right. And Jesus says, today, salvation has come to this household. Zacchaeus made a public demonstration of faith. He came down out of the sycamore tree, received Jesus, and walked joyfully with Him and had fellowship with Him. Maybe you're here this morning and you need to come out of the balcony, you need to come out of the pew, and you need to come and receive Jesus today in this altar with joy. And call on the name of the Lord Jesus and be saved like Zacchaeus was. Maybe you're here today and you have been visiting First Baptist Church Fairdale for a long time. You like it here? You like the preacher? You like your Sunday school class? You like things? Things have been going good for you here, but your letter's somewhere else. Friends, let me tell you what you need to do. You need to bring your letter where your life is and join fellowship with First Baptist Church Fairdale. This is a great place to be a part of. I believe that God has done a great work in the last 99 years, but I believe the best work is still yet to be done in years past 99 years. How about you? I believe some of the best work is still yet to be done. Maybe you need to come and join fellowship and do the good things God planned for you to do from long ago right here at First Baptist Church Fairdale and join fellowship with this church. Maybe you're here this morning. And you said, I, you know, I've, I've called on the name of Jesus and I've, I've, I've been saved, but I've never been obedient and followed the Lord Jesus and believer's baptism. I've never taken that first act of obedience by, by being baptized. And, and I want to come today and I want to be baptized on this, on this anniversary celebration. I want to come and say, Lord, I want to present myself as a candidate for baptism. I want to prepare to be baptized in order that I might identify with you, Christ, and take that first step of obedience. Maybe you're here today and you're a church member. Maybe you've been here a long time. Some of you have been here a whole lot of those 99. I know some of you. you got some season on you. You know what I'm saying? It's like seasoned firewood. It burns better the older it gets. You know what I mean? But if you leave firewood out too long, it disintegrates. It's no good. You can't sit and sour and soak, friends. You've got to stay alive and vibrant and serving and be engaged in the game. You've got to get in the game. Maybe you've been a church member here. You love it so much you love being in the holy huddle. You're back here, man, we got, we got this Bible study going on and we got this potluck going on. And we're going to go out here and bounce on the bounce house after a while. It's just great, man. I love First Baptist Fairdale. All my friends are here and the music's great. Pastor, you know, I love the way he parts his hair. He doesn't part his way every way John Mark parts his hair. God, don't put marble, top, marble tabletops on cheap furniture, friend. That's all I got to tell you. We just really like it here in the holy huddle. But, you know, Josh, your quarterback, he's calling to play. Hey, you know, maybe we need to break the huddle here and go out and do what Jesus told us to do in the scripture here, that, that he came to seek and to save the lost. The holy huddle's great, but we got to call a play, go to the line of scrimmage, execute a play, move the ball downfield for the cause of Christ, and score for God. We need to get off the sidelines and quit sitting in the stadium. And some of us need to leave our homes just to come to the stadium and get in the game. Maybe you're one of those persons that need to get in the game and be willing to engage the gospel for the cause of Christ and His community. I want to tell you something. This community 
has great need. Does it not, my friends? You live here. You know what's going on here. This community needs Jesus. This community needs First Baptist Church Fairdale sharing Jesus. And so as we come to this time, Josh, I want to turn it back over to you anyway. You want to close the service today. I want to encourage you and challenge you to realize God has great plans for you. Plans to give you a hope and a future as it talks about in Jeremiah. Not to harm you, but to do great things with you. And so if you're here today and God is compelled upon your life to respond in any way, I want to encourage you to do that. Listen to the prompting of the Holy Spirit who convinces of sin and convicts of sin. And if he has done that very thing, and, and you want to be responsive like Zacchaeus was to, to give a public demonstration of your changed life before God, I'll guarantee you this, you'll go out joyfully just as Zacchaeus did. Because there's the best way to walk is to walk with the Lord and walk with Jesus. There's joy on this journey with Jesus. I want you to know this morning, without a doubt, how much you matter to God. Pastor Josh? Thank you, Dr. Toby. As Mike and his team comes, we're going to sing a closing song here. And as we do every Sunday, let's respond. And if you're here today and you need to be saved, you want to become a believer in Jesus, then you can come forward and we would love to talk to you about that. If you're here today and you've, you say you're a believer in Jesus but you've never been baptized, then we would love to help you with that. And if you're here today and you don't belong to a church or, or you just want to be a part of our church, we'd like to talk to you about that. And then even the, the, the last point that he made, perhaps you are a believer in Jesus, but you've just been not focused on